Hey, welcome to the podcast. In today's sermon podcast, Pastor Matthew unpacks the profound meaning behind Jesus' words and discovers how our identity as salt and light shapes our responsibility in the world. Despite our struggles, past mistakes, or feelings of inadequacy, Jesus declares that we are special, set apart, and loved. Our identity in Him impacts our responsibility to preserve, heal, enhance, and point others to the goodness and grace of Jesus. Listen in and enjoy the challenge. All right, good morning, church family. Oh, it is so good to be in the house. We are uh, in our summer series entitled uh, Summer Remix, and we are walking through talking about the parables in uh, the Bible. Um, Today, we're going to look at a portion of Scripture found in the Sermon of the Mount, uh, given by Jesus right after uh, the Beatitudes. Remember, those are blessed are the, right? And uh, we're going to be talking about specifically today, salt and light. Let me tell us a story, though, um, before we dig into that parable. Um, I think most of you guys know this, but um, I'm an only child. Did you guys know that? Um, I've said it before. Some of you are like, well, it's obvious, right? Um, <laughs> But uh, I'm an only child. I always wanted a brother or a sister. Um, I mean, I just always wanted a sibling. And I would beg my parents, you know, like, I don't know what you guys got to do, but I'd do whatever it takes to get me a brother or a sister. And they would respond, well, you're a full house. I don't know what that means, but they, what it ultimately meant was they weren't going to, thank you, sir. They weren't going to get me a brother or a sister. So what happened was my best friend at the time, um, we began to talk. He actually didn't like his brother. How about that? And so we decided that because he didn't like his brother and I wanted a brother, that we would do what people were doing in the 80s. And that was, we would become blood brothers. Anybody heard of that before? Um, and so we weren't man enough to like actually cut ourselves. So we found our largest mosquito bite and we scratched it and just kind of held it together so that we could be blood brothers. Does, it, does that still happen? Did y'all, y'all know what I'm talking about? Okay, well, uh, so here's the deal. In the Bible, there's not blood brothers, okay? That's just a story to talk to you about covenant. Uh, they did have something called salt covenants that they would make against with friends and allies. Um, I think you know this, but it's important to know who's with you and who's against you. And covenants were a way to solidify the roles within the relationship. Okay, if you ever have been to our premarital counseling, maybe you need to go to my, our premarital counseling. One of the things we talk about are the roles within the relationship. Ma- ma- matter of fact, when you get married, you don't make a commitment. You're making a covenant between yourself and the Lord, right? That's what marriage is. It's a covenant between three people and God. And um, in our, this covenant, it's important to know what everybody does. Matter of fact, in our, in our premarital class, one of the things they spend a lot of time on is trying to decide what does each person going to do in the relationship. It's important to know who you are thinking is going to take out the trash. Matter, that, that, that very simple thing can actually come up and have major arguments if we don't understand the roles that our, our spouse wants us to have. Are you with me? We have to know our role. Um, we are going to talk about marriage today, but we are going to talk about our role in the world How about this? That fulfills the covenant God has made with us, his people. Um, Here's another story just to kind of talk about role. Um, Not too long ago, I was in uh, my bedroom and we don't have a TV in our living room, our den area. And uh, we just don't want our lives to be focused on 
TV, and not, not that we're not great, we actually have a TV in our bedroom, Alice and I do. And so before you judge me on that, listen to what I'm trying to say, is that, because I know some of y'all are like, I can't believe that. But, the, but here's the reality, is we have it in there, and it's hooked up to our Xbox, because we want to make sure that if my son or my other kids are on the Xbox, we can monitor what it is they're actually doing, because you can get into a lot of trouble on the Xbox, okay? And so we want to monitor it, and so it's in our bedroom. And there was one day I was in our bedroom, laying on the bed, watching... Uh, some Xbox take place with one of my kids and one of my children ran in the room and was crying. And I said, what happened? And they said, uh, another sibling hit me. Now, I can't tell you names because I didn't get permission to share the story. So I'm just letting you know kind of how it all went down. And so they came in. And so I was like, well, I got to do what I'm going to do. So I jumped up to handle business. You hear what I'm saying? Because you can't just hit one of my kids for no reason. And at about that time, another sibling walked in the room like they were, you know, God's gift to the earth. And, they, and I said, well, what happened? And they said, well, they made a mistake. And so I did you a favor and spanked them. And I was thinking, oh, man, thank God. At least I'm not having to do it. You know what I mean? You're going to be the bad guy. So about, that, my, about that time, though, my, my wife ran in the room, Allison, and she said, hey, wait a minute. That's not your role. It's important to know our role. If we don't know who we are, listen, we won't know how to act out who God said we are and to be. So today, the title of this message is this, Know Your Role. Um, if you are new with us, maybe this is your first time, uh, here's our truth. We're going to tell you the truth now. We're going to build on it. We're going to come back to it at the end, and this is it. Knowing our role in the world is vital to understanding our identity in the kingdom. Knowing our role in the world is vital to understanding our identity in the kingdom. Let me pray for us, and then we're going to continue in God's word. Lord, we pray right now that uh, not only would you just reveal to us the truth of your word, but Lord, you would encourage us by it. And God, I pray as uh, we look to Matthew chapter five, that you would just do what you always do. You would speak to us. And God, I pray that your people would not hear me. They would literally hear and only hear your word, your voice and your truth. And so God, have your way. Holy Spirit, move. Lord, may we leave this time together right now. Um, far different, far better, more transformed than we've ever been. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus reminded the people of who they were and challenged them to overcome their circumstances. Now, here's what you need to understand. When Jesus is talking to the disciples in the Sermon on the Mount, um, what they were realizing is, is that the life that they had begun to live in Christ actually was getting them into a lot of trouble. Matter of fact, who they were, a Christian, was actually getting them persecuted. Are you following me? And so what happened is, as they were living out who they are, they began to have a lot of question and a lot of confusion because it just didn't line up with what they thought it was going to be like in the kingdom of God. Matter of fact, they thought, well, Jesus is going to make my life better. So now why am I having all these difficulties and all these problems? And so Jesus is kind of sharing with them in this bigger picture of Sermon on the Mount how to live the life and how to think the right way so that regardless of what's taking place in the world, regardless of what's happening in their home, regardless of what they're hearing on the radio, if you will, regardless of what someone else is saying or what someone else has told them, they would know not only who they are, but what they're called to. Um, let me just say this. Um, 
when life is good, we see this with the Israelites in the Bible reading plan, when life is good, it's easy to forget who we are. It's easy to forget what we've been called to. And when life is hard, it's easy to forget who we are. It's easy to forget what we've been called to. And Jesus is just trying to say, let me remind you of the truth of who you are and let me just give a greater showing and telling of what it is that I'm asking you to do. And as he's doing this with the disciples, he begins in this section by, I think, using some of the most endearing language terminology possible, recorded even, to talk to the disciples about not only who they are, but their impact, how about this, in the world. This is what he says in Matthew chapter 5, 13 through 16. He says this, Jesus is speaking, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, Jesus is talking, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. Um, maybe you didn't catch it. I just want to maybe paint this picture again so you can understand and see what it is, it is that Jesus is saying, how he's saying and talking to the disciples that day. I'm going to start by kind of painting a picture this way. My family means everything to me. Um, they're so special in my life. I never imagined how different I would be just because of their presence and existence. Matter of fact, I didn't understand at all what it meant about the father's love for me until we had Max. And now I began to understand a little bit more about the father's love. Are you guys following what I'm saying to you? I, I didn't realize just how much I could hurt and how much empathy I could even have in my life uh, until my dad died. I need you to hear me say this, is that my family has impacted my life. I am a different person today than I was even a year ago, all because of my family and my life. Are you guys with me? They have impacted me. Uh, I hope that, I, let me say it this way. My family is the wind in my sail. Anybody heard that before? Um, if your country, they're the salt on your tomatoes. Does that make sense? Have you ever, ever heard anything like that? Um, so our pastor's, I mean, he's from Tennessee. He's way more country than I'll ever be, okay? But this is what, he's, he likes salt on his watermelon, right? Do, uh, does it, do y'all? No, no, don't clap for that. Don't clap for that. No, no. Um, the salt on my, t on my watermelon, right? This is, I'm using metaphor to talk about how much I love my family. Are you with me? And when Jesus is looking to the disciples, he's using metaphor for them to understand not only how much he loves them and cares for them, but the major impact that they have on the world. Matter of fact, he says it this way, you are the salt of my earth. You are the light of my world. Now, he didn't say it exactly like that, but that's essentially what he meant because we know in David said this in Psalm 24, 1, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. <laughs> so when Jesus proclaims to his disciples that they're salt of the earth and light of the world, in essence, listen to me again, he's using metaphor to tell them how important they are to him, but he's also teaching them how their identity impacts their responsibility. Please hear me. Our identity impacts our responsibility. 
Paul said it this way at one point, if you're a Christian, now you're a minister of reconciliation, an ambassador of Christ. And if you understand that identity, now you know what you need to go do, right? Jesus said it differently. He said, you are the salt of the earth, the light of the world. For, for the rest of our time, what I want us to do is really just take those two phrases and we're gonna build on, we're gonna talk about what they mean for us as a people because I want us to understand, listen to me very carefully, our identity in Christ. Our identity is not what we think we are. It's not what someone has told us we are. It's not the, um, the combination of all of our circumstances. It's not how we feel. It's not what we've been taught. It is who Jesus Christ says that we are. And so Jesus, again, I just want you to hear me, is looking to the disciples to remind them who you are. So I hope if anything today when you leave, that not only are you reminded of who you are, but you would let your identity, listen to me, influence your actions. Um, I wrote this in my notes. Despite our struggles, our past or are constantly, how about this, degraded, depressed, and confused feelings. Jesus makes it clear that his followers are not defined by circumstances or feelings, but who they are in him. I know, at least in me, um, there's parts of me that I wish wasn't true. There's things I've done I wish I'd never done. There's things I still wrestle with in my flesh and in my mind I wish would just simply go away. But despite that, listen, Jesus says we are special, set apart, and loved. How about this? You are the salt of the earth. Forever ago, Romans believed that salt was the purest of all things. In fact, uh, wars have been fought over it. It's been used as a medium of exchange. In China, for instance, it was second only to gold in value. Salt has long been viewed by mankind as a highly prized commodity. And many countries have actually become extremely rich all because of the value of salt. But I need you to hear me say this. Salt is used for many things, but it does its most effective work when brought into direct contact with what it, the substance is to work. In other words, how about this? Salt is no good in the shaker. Your meal isn't better if you look at the table and it's got a salt shaker on it, but you don't use it. Okay. Now what I want to do is just kind of walk very briefly through three different things that we can see that salt is because I want us to understand when Jesus is saying that we are salt, I want us to have a clear picture of what he's talking about. Salt is used as a preservative. Um, have you ever heard of salt-cured meat? Um, thank you. Um, if you go to a diner in North Carolina and you or, order sugar-cured meat, everybody knows you're a city slicker, and they will judge you the rest of the time in the diner, okay? Um, that's just, just true, okay? Uh, there might even be a 10% surcharge because they can't imagine that you're sitting in there. In salt-cured meat, listen to me, if the meat goes bad, it's not the meat's fault, it's because there wasn't enough salt on it. Salt is a preservative. So how about this? When Jesus says, you're salt, what are you preserving? What are you preserving? Salt is an antiseptic. Um, we were so happy when my, my mom chose this past Christmas or two Christmas ago to move here to help us with our children. And... Um, um, she's got a lot of old wives' tales -y type stuff to kind of help us with our, she's sitting right over here, so I can't look at her while I'm saying this. Um, 
So that kind of helps us with, you know, how to get better. And uh, if I'm like, oh, my throat is so scratchy, here's what she'll say. Get you a glass of water, put some salt in it, put it in a microwave, and then gargle it. Do you hear what I'm saying? Salt is an antiseptic. So how about this? When Jesus says you are salt, let me ask you this question. Um, what are you healing with your presence? What are you healing? Who are you healing with your presence? Uh, salt is used to enhance flavor. Uh, let me just ask a question. You can shout it out. That's fine. What is your favorite thing to put salt on? Don't say watermelon. That's the gross. Don't, that don't count. What's your favorite thing? French fries. That's good. That's what my kids said that to me when I was talking to them. Uh, McDonald's French fries. We like them because they're salty, right? I like uh, salt on my fried chicken. Matter of fact, if there's not salt on the fried chicken, I'd rather you just keep it. I mean, I just, but I, I love salt. It's used, listen, to enhance the flavor. Um, it, you know it if you've got too little, if you've got too much. Okay, but it's not designed to have too much. It's designed for just to be right. So it enhances the flavor. So let me just say this, salt, what are you enhancing? What is better because of your presence? Um, uh, the things we just talked about, you probably already knew, but, but maybe, maybe this will help. It's just a new way of looking at some things. I've actually realized this. I've seen this in the past. I was reminded of this as we've been in our Bible reading plan in the Old Testament. Um, but you, what you may not know is that the ancient Hebrews, salt represented purification and the symbol of enduring friendship, honesty, and loyalty. Treaties and friendships were often formalized by licking salt to seal a truce between former enemies or as a symbol of alliance between close friends. Entering into a salt covenant or a covenant of salt meant binding oneself to another in loyalty and truthfulness to the point of suffering death rather than breaking the covenant that was established. And so because of that, um, a covenant of salt was never taken lightly or haphazardly. It was a big deal. Now, how many of you knew and understand God has made a salt covenant with his people? That's what we've seen in scripture, if we've been reading closely. As a matter of fact, listen to this. In Leviticus chapter 2, verse 13, God instructed the Israelites that every sacrifice, including grain offerings, was to be seasoned with salt as a sign of God's covenant with the people. This is what the scripture literally says. Season all your grain offerings with salt. Do not leave the salt of the covenant of your God out of your grain offerings. Add salt to all your offerings. Uh, Numbers 18, 19, uh, we see that such a covenant existed. God is talking to Aaron, and this is what God says to Aaron. Whatever is set aside from the holy offerings the Israelites present to the Lord, I give to you and your sons and daughters as your perpetual share. It is an everlasting covenant of salt before the Lord for both you and your offspring. Um, this theme continues to play out in Scripture, 2 Kings chapter 2, 19 and 21. Um, so Elijah has just died. Elisha was like the next best prophet, right? And now that Elijah's dead, Elisha's like coming to on the scene. And because he was Elijah's predecessor, when Elijah died, Elisha got everything. And this is really kind of where we pick up. He's getting all of his land, all of his influence. And so the people come, and in, in 2 Kings chapter 2, 19 and 21, says, Look, our Lord, this town is well situated, as you can see, but the water is bad and the land is unproductive. Listen to what Elisha says. Again, this is 2 Kings chapter 2, 19 and 21. Bring me a new bowl, he said, and put salt in it. 
So they brought it to him, and then he went out to the spring and threw the salt in it, saying, this is what the Lord says, I have healed this water, never again will it cause death or make the land unproductive. And the scripture says, and the water has remained pure to this day, according to the word Elisha had spoken. Hundreds of years later, in Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 42, 23 through 24, when the altar of the Lord was being restored, Ezekiel told the priest to sprinkle salt on its sacrifices. Why is that? Uh, because everybody knew, okay, that salt represents God's goodness and God's promises. And, and so when, when Jesus is looking to the people and he says, you are salt, he's saying, you represent my goodness, listen to this, and God's promises. How are you doing at being salt? Jesus then says something that's a little hard to hear. He says, if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. I need you to hear me because this is a little interesting here is that um, salt, pure sodium as we know it, actually cannot lose its saltiness. It can't. Um, here's what took place though in that day is that they would extract salt out of the Dead Sea. And if, they, if the extraction process wasn't great or if there were too many minerals in the water, when they would extract the salt, it would have so many other minerals in it, it actually wasn't good for anything. Are you guys with me? Um, and because there were so many minerals and because it wasn't good anything, you just threw it out. Sand. Um, sand, don't ask me how I know, is salty. <laughs> but how many of you would put sand on your tomato sandwich? Nobody would. Why? It's too mixed with other things. It's sand. It's not salt. So listen to me very carefully. So what Jesus is saying here is this. You are salt, but don't get so corrupted that you lose your flavor. Listen, salt can't use its, lose its saltiness, but again, it can become unusable. Or maybe, maybe how about this? Um, don't get so mixed up with everything the world has to offer that you stop doing what you were designed to do. There's a lot of great things in our world. Um, there's a lot of people that we like in our world. That's, this is the children of Israel's problem in our Bible reading plan, right? They go into a land, there's a bunch of people, eight different nations that are there. They actually like the people, they don't, they don't get rid of them. And those nations influence them to the point, listen, that they were really no good anymore. Don't get so mixed up with all the wrong things that who God has made you to be, you just simply aren't acting out. The scripture says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Um, people have a tendency to focus so much on the tasting good part and making everybody happy part. I love that in our sermon uh, last week, pastor used this uh, phrase of people like spiritual happy meals. I thought that was really funny. Um, we love happy meals at our house. We love toys, but um, his point was that we can focus so much on the happiness part, listen to this, that we can forget the part of calling people to holiness. So which then 
Jesus kind of flips this concept of saltiness. And so, and then he says, hey, um, you're, not, you're not only salt, but you're light. But I need you to hear me say this before I continue because someone brought it to my attention after the last sermon. Um, if you're not salt, your light probably ain't working. It's salt first. Um, Matt Blagg, our worship minister, said this. Uh, I think it was one of the Christmases ago. Um, he was talking about landing an airplane. He flies. Um, he's got more money than I do. That's what that means. Uh, and so you let him know that, okay? And so he says when he's flying in, I, I mean, I don't know. He says there's a, a button on the airplane. You can like hit it three times and the runway lights light up, which is pretty cool. They're there, listen, they're there to guide the pilot into the right place. Light indicates direction. That's what we see. If someone thinks they're dying and, and they're going out, what does people yell? Go towards the light. That's exactly right. Um, when Jesus says we are light, he's saying, let everything about you, your attitude and your actions, point people and show the way to Jesus. This isn't about being so flashy and annoying that people can't help but notice. It's about holding to a specific, how about this standard that the world is clear in what we're about. When Jesus says you are light, he's saying your life, how about this, dispels the darkness and reveals his goodness and grace. How are you doing at being the light? Um, my dad was a minister of music. That's what he did. And uh, he got to sing in a bunch of little local churches where we grew up. And um, he always, I, I, everything, everything I knew about my dad was he loved singing about the Lord. And, um, you know, when I was a kid, there was a couple little songs, little little kitty gospel songs that my family would teach me about the truths of God's word. And the first song I'm sure was like, um, just loving about, you know, Jesus loves me. Um, but with the second song, uh, maybe you know it. And if you do, I, I'm just going to ask you to kind of sing it with me a little bit. It goes something like this. Uh, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine. Let it shine. Verse two goes something like this. Hide it under a bushel. No, right? That was my favorite part. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> if you're a real redneck, you would add some things to the note, but we ain't gonna do that in here, okay? We're not gonna do that, okay? Uh, the third verse said like this, don't let Satan blow it out. You know what? Life can be so hard, can't it? Things can be so tough. I was uh, with some military folk over the weekend and I was walking through uh, a bunch of suicidal ideations with them. I got home and uh, some friends, our, some of our neighbors had uh, some family members, uh, their two and a half year old little baby drowned. Yesterday, yesterday. And life can be so tough. And if we're not careful, God, listen, if we're not careful, our light can get so dim because we let our lives get caught up in all the hard, negative, destructive things that our world throws at us. I 
I don't know what you came in thinking about yourself today. I don't know the hardships that your life is just walking through. (laughs) But Jesus didn't say you're similar to salt and light. Listen to me. He says you are. Do not let life's troubles, do not let other people, do not let the junk or even the good times of life, listen to me, redefine who God says you are. You are salt and you are light. On the mountain that day, as Jesus was kind of walking over this reality of the people because I mean they were just so confused I know once you know blessed are the pure in heart and they will see what does this even mean right and we I mean thankfully um, we have sermons that kind of help us and commentaries to help us but when Jesus initially said it I, I just think they were just so confused and like man life is hard what are, what, what's, this, what's he even talking about and, but, but Jesus is now painting this picture that listen to this and I, I think you need to understand this just because we don't understand the plan just because we don't understand the situation just because we don't know what's happening just because we don't know what it is even and understand fully what we're reading doesn't mean we can't be obedient in our role and confident in our identity listen to me knowing our role in the world is vital to understanding our identity in the kingdom. And Jesus says, I'm gonna say it again, you are the salt of his earth. You are the light of his world. And now that you know who you are, listen to me. Go be who God made you to be. Let me pray for us. Uh, Lord Jesus, we do love you. We're just thankful, God, that um, (laughs) we aren't who we think we are. We aren't who we've been led to believe. We aren't the combination of all of our hard circumstances. We're not, Lord, we're not anything other than what you said we are. And Lord, we can get so confused in that. But Lord, I pray that today, I don't, I don't know just the frustrations of, of all of your people here, but Lord, I know that we can begin to think things that's not true. And so, God, I pray right now by the power of the Holy Spirit that you would remind us not only of who we are, but, Lord, even in the midst of us being reminded of who we are, Lord, I pray that you would just continue to fill us so that we are confident in what you've called us to do because of who we are. Holy Spirit, have your way. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Church family, will you stand on your feet? Um, Let me just ask you a couple of questions. Um, are you losing your saltiness? Have you been so mixed up with things that, I mean, honestly, the impact you want to make is just not able and possible to be true? Is your light dim because of the hardship of life? Is it dim because maybe you just haven't been focused on Jesus and his word? Um, The only person that can rid us, listen to me, of the impurities of our life, the only person that can truly fan the flame back to where it needs is Jesus. And so as we close our time, I just want to point us back to Jesus. Pastor Rick and Vic and I are here. Listen, I don't know what you need to do, but refocus on Jesus. Maybe you're thinking, well, I... 
I've never even made Jesus Christ my Lord and Savior. And I'm going to just say this to you. If you haven't, you are not salt and light. And maybe that's what you want today. And we'd love to have that conversation and prayer with you. Maybe you're saying, I want to be a part of a church that is salt and light in that community, just like this one is. I mean, it's been blowing my mind. Listen, we'd love for you to come and join us. Maybe you just need prayer just to, just to continue to have the perseverance of reminding of who you are. We'd love to pray with you. Guys, we love you so much. Would you come as we sing? Hey, thanks for joining us at The Road. If you'd like more information about things going on at Choctaw Road Baptist Church, visit us at theroad.tv or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash theroadcrbc. Have a great week.